0: Hi, this is Damien O'Darty. This is Center of Maryland's The Conference Call podcast. And we've been talking to some of the DMV and, quite frankly, some of the nation's top master plan uh, redevelopers. And we've got one here like, like no other today. And uh, when we reached out to Mark Weller, who's got 25 years of experience in you know, one of the most remarkable wow. real estate wow. renaissances in the country um, at uh, in, in the Washington, D.C. area, for him to come up uh, to Baltimore and see so much promise and opportunity, and then to bring uh, some incredible partners, community partners, uh, the biggest banks in the world, all to, to Baltimore. Uh, and, and so when I invited him on, he said, wait, 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 I want to get My team on here so we've also got uh, when he says team he means it uh we've got michael middleton who is uh, really a stalwart community leader in cherry hill and uh, the chairman of the sb6 which became the sb7 those south baltimore neighborhoods that are uh, adjacent and uh, communal with uh, port covington and then mark brody who you know, is a made man in my world. He he comes from the office of Elijah Cummings and uh, a really special uh, person to work with and work for. Mark is a uh, senior vice president with Weller Development Company, where Mark is leading. You know, one of the nation's biggest comeback stories. And so, Mark and Michael, uh, and Mark again. I want to thank you all for joining us on the conference call pod.
1: Yeah, man, thank you for having us. I appreciate that. And thanks for giving a shout-out to uh, the Honorable Elijah Cummings. Miss him a lot, and surely was a great person. Meant a lot to me. And, Michael,
0: I was out with the pride of Cherry Hill, uh, Billy Murphy, the uh, uh, this past oh, weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Cherry uh, yeah. Hill is in the house. Hey, I want to start with you. We've got a small audience, but, you know, the, the people that listen to this might work for the Senate president or might work for the mayor of Baltimore, and so, just in that, you know, first couple minutes, love to hear Michael your thoughts about what you'd want those kind of people uh, to to know about what's going on uh, in South Baltimore. They've been so supportive in so many different ways, but love to love to hear you know the voice of the community's perspective right out of the gate because I think that's why Mark brought you in
2: wants to wants to share all the credit with you. Yeah, sure. uh, that's great, and thank you very much, Damien. I think. Uh, the city of Baltimore has been very supportive, I think, uh, in relationship to this project. Um, for the six communities surrounding Port Covington, this presents just an excellent opportunity for us to lift our communities up as we lift the Port Covington development as well. Our partnership now that's existed for over a five-year, six-year time period has been a true partnership. Uh, We have been focusing in relationship to not only the needs of Fort Covington, but definitely the needs of our six communities, which historically have been sort of the forgotten communities in in Baltimore City. Um, We have had uh, a coalition of six communities that historically did not get along together, whether it's because of race or other types of matters. The mere fact that we came together to talk about what we could do with the development of Port Covington has just uh, caused um, tremendous interaction uh, between those communities. We now talk with one another. We now realize that the nature, uh, we have more in common than we have uh, differently. Uh, Working with Mark and uh, Mark Weller and Mark Brody and Port Covington, we've been able to get substantial amount of funding as well. Uh, to assist our communities as a result of the Community Benefits Agreement, uh, which was reached uh, with uh, Port Covington. And uh, as a result of that, we've been able to take what were originally neighborhood associations and build the capacity to move them to organizations that actually had workers or paid workers to do some of the very, very needed work uh, that's needed to uplift these communities. So I felt the experience thus far has been one that has been very, very positive. Uh, And I look forward to an ongoing relationship with Fort Covington uh, that will benefit our six communities.
0: Michael, I mean, you just, uh, you just give us such a window into this world that uh, I keep hearing Mark Weller talk about all the time. He talks about how rising tide Lifts all boats, and, and you all are doing you all are doing it out there, Mark. You uh you grew up around essentially from a career standpoint. I listened to your uh, Baltimore Positive podcast. Uh, you kind of came up in the in in the real estate community out of the Washington area. Your partner Steve Siegel was a key person for Adrian Fenty, the, and the turnaround story there in Washington D.C. You could be anywhere. In this country, or knowing you, you could be anywhere in this world. Uh, talk to me about what's going on in Baltimore. Well,
3: uh, it's a it's a long story, and you know I've, I've spent the last um, last few days really having some time looking looking back as I prepare for a big event happening in in my in my own personal life with my father being buried at Arlington National Cemetery on the 10th. So I've been going through a lot of pictures and thinking about my child and so on. And it brought me to sort of the thought process around like why I feel the way I do about the things that I do and and why I'm passionate about it. And I think uh, it starts in Buffalo, New York. And Buffalo was a town that was really an incredible place to grow up with incredible people. But the jobs were leaving and the 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 manufacturing was leaving and everything was on the downside where we left in 1986 and moved to the washington dc area my father was uh was given a um an opportunity he was either could lose his job or he could move to washington dc and keep a job and in buffalo when you lost your job there wasn't another one right behind it it wasn't like being in the in the in the you know washington metropolitan area so my dad took the job we moved down here i was fortunate enough to grow up i call that geographic luck uh you know around the beltway met a lot of really interesting people And I fell in love with real estate and um, just fell in love with the idea of developing and building and constructing. And through a process, uh, I got in the industry through one of my best friends from growing up. um, His father was a big developer. He gave me my first job on the the construction site for, you know, not a lot of money, not a lot of bonus, but a lot of hard work. And I learned a lot. Um, I also have done, you know, various trades and so on in the field, but as time, as time went on, um, Washington presented itself as just an incredible opportunity. So when I opened up my first business, um, back in the late nineties and really into the early two thousands is when I got really serious about it. Um, Washington was just a boomtown and, uh, things were going the right direction. So folks like me, like I said, I called geographic luck. Folks like me were given exposure to projects, to things, to ideas, um, to a velocity of deals, to to just the amount of, 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 of projects that we could touch and be involved with that almost nowhere in the country, uh, there was this type of volume. So we learned a lot really quick. So by the time I was in my late twenties, early thirties, I had already completed uh, a lot of, a lot of projects, some thousands of units and, Lots of square footage of uh, of projects and so on, and I would made a lot of mistakes too. I'm sure, but a good a good market covers a lot of those mistakes up. So when things are on the rise, you can make mistakes, and it's it sometimes they get buried in with the with the market rise. So over time, um, I, I really got comfortable in DC and loved it. But it always it always struck me that places like Buffalo and places like Baltimore that I'd spent a lot of time in hadn't seen the same renaissance that Washington had seen uh, through the uh, early 2000s. And um, look. I'm not saying it was perfect exactly what happened in Washington, but there was a lot of change and there was a lot of positive change. Um, Was there, was there some missed opportunities? Absolutely. I think, I think uh, on the, on the workforce housing side, affordable housing side, workforce training, I think, I think uh, everybody could have done more, but it was like a tsunami and it happened really fast. So, you know, enter the picture of the opportunity in Baltimore. And uh, when I was presented with, the, you know, I'd buzzed around Baltimore and owned, owned various properties throughout the years. But when I was presented with this opportunity to come up and look at a bigger picture and how to change what what I would describe as the narrative around Baltimore uh, through through uh, transformation, through real estate, through jobs, through through equity, through through uh, workforce training, um, I I was really excited about it because it was my chance to kind of make that difference in the world that I always thought that I, I really wanted to make, but was difficult to to translate from real estate developer to somebody really making a difference in, in the future of, uh, in the history of a city. So here we are, uh, here we are, uh, you know, 10 years later, almost uh, from the initial invitation from Kevin Plank to come up and look at what his ideas were. And we are, uh, we're up in the air on a big project. We've got uh, millions of square feet, uh, you know, in, in sight line to get delivered in, in, in the end of next year.
0: And we couldn't be more excited. I think our, uh, our community of listeners, you know, a lot of them are in local land use or they're in the political world somehow, or, or maybe a a business owner, you know, they, they think about the time horizon of these projects and they see a lot of renderings, but, um, Michael, in your neighborhood now, who's gone from renderings to reality? I see some very big cranes coming there. You feel like that's a promises made, promises kept experience that's uh, coming online there uh, in in Port Covington?
2: Well, I think so. Uh, the future, I think, looks good. And we see that as Port Covington becomes more and more the reality that we all want it to be. Uh, that the community starts to benefit from that as well. Uh, You know, Cherry Hill has gone through a community engagement process that we call the Transform Cherry Hill as a result of the work that's being done at Port Covington, and as well as other communities. You know, you always have the fear from time to time of folks talking about things like displacement and things of this nature. Uh, We find that uh, in our communities that... um, while there may be some displacement for gentrification is not something that we expect, but the expectation is that we'll get folks who have income, who's coming in, uh, that will lift the economic opportunities for our communities as well. Uh, and we have... Uh, uh, several of our communities now have started things like, uh, you know, housing development types of efforts, community land trust types of efforts uh, to bring in decent, affordable housing and mixed income housing into our communities. Our education programs have sprung up and people are now more interested in providing the very best education for um our young scholars in our communities, and with good housing, good school, good schools, other types of economic development, types of opportunities. I think all of us realize uh, that now, now we've been presented with a window of opportunity that we must take advantage of at this time. And I think it's happened. You know, uh, the good thing about working with somebody like Mark and Mark uh, is that they're folks that you can trust. Uh, they give their word on something, they stand behind it. And that's been a part of my encouragement throughout this entire process. A lot of times with developers coming in, developers come in and you think they seek a windfall for themselves. Um, you know, Mark Weller has always been an up and up type of person uh, with me. Um, and he has always uh, talked about the whole, you know, rising tide raises all ships. This program, we recognize a project that's not successful in this move. Port Covington and the community surrounded uh, Port Covington are successful. And I think the work we've been doing, and particularly that with Mark Brody and working with our communities, uh, lends itself to that. Uh, Our goal is not only Port Covington, but the community surrounded in South Baltimore in general. And my belief is that we'll become the jewel uh, of Baltimore city with the work that's being done here in Port Covington.
0: Look at that. That was a great segue. No pressure on you, Mark Brody. Uh, (laughs) Talk to me about uh, the jewel you see there at Fort Covington, the story you want to tell that, that uh, maybe doesn't, uh, doesn't get a chance to be heard unless you uh, talk it through on a podcast like this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity, man. I'm, you know, coming from West Baltimore, you know, similar to South Baltimore, there's a lot of disinvestment out where, you know, where I'm from and, um, you know, the, the city doesn't invest, uh, private industry, pro, you know, private companies don't come in and invest because, you know, they don't see the return there uh, possible. And so um, coming out of, uh, you know, working for Congressman Cummings and a couple of mayors and Baltimore City public schools, I've seen firsthand, you know, what government can and cannot do. And uh, I was really excited to be part of something that was uh still in my mind public service, but you know, on the real estate private side, right? Because the MOU that we have in the community benefits agreement, you know, everything that Mr. Mike and Mark just kind of talked about. I mean, this this is really, you know, this is a service to the public. This is a this is a community benefit um, in every sense of the word. And I had I had options of where I could go and I was really excited to be part of this team because I the unprecedented inclusivity of it all, um, you know, and, and as as Mr. Mike just said, I think we can be an example. Uh, citywide of what can be done when a developer and, and the community come together, uh, you know, and partnership and, uh, you know, there's the, seats at the table for the community. Uh, there's direct funding provided to the community that they can spend with no strings attached in terms of, you know, the developer saying, hey, you got to spend it on this or that. You know, uh, um, <clears throat> you know, I think this can be an example of what can happen in other places of the city. Uh, it should be uh, and, and possibly even nationwide, quite frankly.
0: Mark Weller, you you said something interesting on some great uh, WBAL uh, coverage recently, WBAL radio, where you talked about extending the life of the tourist stay in Baltimore. And it was just, I thought it was great to hear, not only focus and attention on that issue, because that that's really been uh, from the birth of the aquarium and the Inner Harbor, that's always been sort of a Strong suit is the day travel, and uh, I just thought you brought a really interesting point of view that opened my, you know, is it an old Baltimore person? I would say, really opened my mind to thinking about Fort Covington in a new way. You talk about that that extra day or two that uh, Fort Covington can add to the the, tr- the travel calendar.
3: Well, yeah, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, I think in addition to really thinking and and putting putting you know people above profits on a project like this i think it's 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 important to think about um other other intangibles and and other quite frankly uh negative things that can happen and make sure that they don't and what we don't want to do with port covington is we don't want to pull from other parts of the city therefore creating a vacuum and just taking from somewhere we want to add we want this to be additive to the entire city. And so as I started to learn more and more about how folks like Disney and others uh, thought about um, their approach to, to, to tourism, uh, they thought about stay time and they thought about how do we capture um, this, this person, this family, this couple, whatever it is, how do we capture them for a longer period of time? longer than 1.5 days or two days or 2.5 days and i think what we found in baltimore was that there was a lot of folks coming to the inner harbor for the day there was a lot of folks coming to the inner harbor and and to see baltimore for the night how do we increase that day trip to a night trip how do we increase the night trip to two full nights or to two long days right in a night and i think that the more you think about that uh and, and and put that into its place the the quicker you get to how to grow the pie for everybody in baltimore including the cbd including everything over in canton including harbor east which obviously doesn't need any help they've done a great job um and and just making sure that all neighborhoods are supported where the tourism is right now and then from there we can see growth uh into communities that rest and sit behind there who really need uh need the economic development so we just want to make sure that we're adding we're adding to the adding to the uh The reason why you would come to Baltimore.
0: Thanks for joining us on the first of three episodes talking about Baltimore's new future at Port Covington with Weller Developments, Mark Weller, Mark Brody, and then Cherry Hill's very own Michael Middleton, the head of the SB7 there in South Baltimore. Uh, Join us again next week for episode two.